thing, man, and boy, when you first heard them, they just tear you up. I'm talking about tear you up. And it seems like the more you hear them, the, the more your heart hardens to that, uh, that, that still small voice that speaks in that song. And uh, their songs, you know what I mean. Their songs that, man, when they first, when you first heard them, man, they just tear you up, get you on the altar. And now when you hear them, they're like, you're like, that's a good song. That's a good song. That one's still one of them that just tears me up every time I hear it. And uh, I like to listen to it on the way to church. And, and uh, I sure am thankful uh, that uh, he's enough. And uh, there's a, you know, we, we, we fight for our independence. We do that from an early age. You're born and you're, you're, it's a struggle for independence. As a teenager, as a teenage girl, you want to be free from what mama tells you to do. Come on, I need somebody to help me. And uh, you ladies know what it's like to have a daughter in the house, and you two are like, uh, uh, you know, gasoline or water and oil. I mean, it start, gets to a point where it starts to be, all right, somebody got to go, and, and I bought the house. Can I get a witness? And uh, it happened that way with me and Dalton, all right? So men, we understand it, right? And uh, I remember coming home one morning, and uh, I got in. I walked into the house, and it was about 1030 and I walked into the house, and there was Dalton sitting in my recliner watching my TV in his underwear. <laughs> Is everybody all right? Uh, he was about eight, 17, 18 years old. I said, hey, look here. You going in the military? You going to college? Or you moving out? I don't care which one you do, but that's your three choices. And somebody say amen. amen. All right? And mama's like, no, don't you let that boy go. Anyway, I said, he, somebody's got to go. There's too much testosterone in the house. Amen. You ladies experience the same thing with the females. Michelle says, all right, me and, me and KK's fighting too much. KK's got to go. And then dad steps in and is like, no, KK can stay as long as she wants. <laughs> but Zachary, you might be out by the time you're 15, right? And uh, uh, so anyhow, uh, we all understand that. But what I'm getting at is we all fight for our independence. And we gained that independence at an early age, 17, 18 years old. I moved out of the house when I was 17. We gained that independence, all right? But what it makes us is it makes us independent from anything. And what I mean by that is once we've experienced that independence, we don't want to go back to being under the rule or under the direction or guidance of somebody else. Amen. All right? This includes God. I'm going to say that again because I had like three people to go, uh-huh, that's right. This includes God. Amen. We want the ticket to get into heaven. Right. We want the assurity that we're not going to hell. But we don't want the Lord that goes with that. Amen. The one that guides and directs. The one that leads us in the path of righteousness. That, that God, we don't want him. Amen. Come on. Amen. It's a struggle to trust him. And, and, and a lot of people never get over that struggle. And so to sing that song and to be able to say, I will be content in every circumstance, we're literally saying, no matter what goes on in my life, God, I know that you want what's best for me and that you are in control of it all. That's dependence on him. See there? We got to get to that point. We really do. All right, Luke chapter number eight, if you're there, say amen. Go to verse number 40, and we'll begin our reading in verse number 40, and uh, maybe this will be a familiar passage of Scripture, but I'll just give you just a tiny bit of background uh, before we start reading verse number 40. <clears throat> but Jesus had just healed the maniac of Gadaris, all right? And many, how many of y'all remember that story, all right? And uh, that was a good part of that song. He said he would cross the ocean so I wouldn't drown, all right, uh, in your story. And actually in Luke chapter number eight here, uh, this story of the gathering, uh, uh, this maniac, God, Jesus, crosses over the Sea of Galilee, which by the way is a lake, it ain't an ocean, but he crosses over the Sea of Galilee into the land of Gadaris, and there is this man, this maniac, living in the tombs, cutting himself. All this had been bound up and all these things. But anyhow, Jesus went over there. Jesus healed him. He cast out the devil from him. Jesus healed him right there on the spot. And all the people, all the Gentiles of this land, all the pig farmers, if you know the story, all the demons was cast into the pig. They ran down, or the swine is what the Bible calls. They ran down and jumped in the lake and choked and died, all right? All the pig farmers 
told Jesus to leave. Now listen to this, this is cool. You might not like it, but I do. I, I, I'm going to tell you about it every time we come around the scripture. Amen. Jesus gets back on the boat. Not one other person was saved. He crossed all the way over the Sea of Galilee. Just for one. Just for one. He knew. Hey, I need somebody to help me. He knew. You, we, we're talking about the same one that knew what people were thinking. He knew what was going to happen on the other side, and yet he still crossed over. And let me go ahead and help you with this, too. On his journey over, Satan tried to kill him. This is where the storm come up. They were scared. Jesus went out and spoke, peace be still. All right, is everybody right? And, and, I mean, this was a storm against Christ, but yet he still went over there. Listen, just for one. Just for one. He crossed an ocean just for you. Amen. This is that story. It just ended. Now, the Bible tells us in verse number 40, it says, And it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. And so they, he's coming back from the land of Gadares, which is a Gentile uh, uh, territories or a Gentile nation. Now he's coming back into Capernaum. He's coming back into a Jewish nation. And the Bible says that, man, everything's going, uh, well, the Bible doesn't say this here, but all his fame is spreading. And so because of it, when he returned, there were many that were there waiting on him that gladly received him. The Bible tells us in verse number 41, and behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come into his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she lay a-dying. But as he went, the people thronged him. This word thronged here is the same word that is used when it talks about the weeds choking out the seed. You remember the, 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 the sower uh, in, the, in the scripture, the parable of the sower? This is the same word that is used when it talks about the weeds choking out the seed. So why I'm telling you that is this. He was thronged, these people thronged him. It literally means that they were, they were, let's use this word, suffocating him. All right, they were, they, were, they were pressed up against him. I mean, everybody was trying to get close to him to hear him speak, all right? Look at verse number 43. The Bible says, And a woman having an issue of blood 12 years. Now, what this literally means was is that her cycle, and I'm just going to use that word, and that way maybe the kids won't get on. Is everybody with me? But her cycle was never ending. For 12 years, this is what this woman was going through, this issue of blood. All right? It was something that was addressed back in the Old Testament. It was something that was addressed back in the Levitical Laws. But this is what's going on with this woman. For 12 years, all right, the, the flow had not stopped. The issue of blood had not stopped. Now, say, preacher, why are you doing that? Why are you being graphic about it? I'm not being graphic about it. I just want you to understand what kind of shape she was in. Amen. Because when you read the Bible and you see an issue of blood, you're like, I ain't, uh, yeah. But when you understand for 12 years nonstop and back, 2,000 years ago, this was an issue. This, this was a big issue, all right? And, and, and here's what the Bible says. She had spent all her living upon physicians. Luke, the physician, Luke, the doctor, is writing to us, and he's telling us this woman has spent everything she had. In other words, she had exhausted every, uh, every bit of money that she had trying to fix this problem. Why? Because with this problem, she was socially unacceptable. All right? By the law, she was socially unacceptable. By the law, she was unclean. All right? So this is what that means. Anything that she touched became unclean. Any person that she touched became unclean. 
any person that bumped into her became unclean. It wasn't just her going out and touching you. If you accidentally bumped into her, then you were deemed unclean and you had to go through a purification process before you could be uh, uh, back socially with everybody according to the law. All right. And so anything that she touched or anything that came in contact with her. Now, I, I, the reason I bring this up, and we, we won't go back to the scripture, but back in Leviticus, the Bible tells us that if one came into the temple or one came into the tabernacle in this, is, in this issue of blood, all right, then all of the tabernacle, all of the temple was defiled. And so uh, there wasn't even, uh, does everybody understand what I'm saying right here? She couldn't even go to worship. She wasn't accepted socially. In other words, she couldn't be around other individuals and she could not go to God. I need somebody to help me. Y'all act like y'all don't understand what I'm saying. This woman had nobody. She's completely isolated. She can't have a friend. She ain't got no kids around. She ain't got no husband around. She ain't got nobody that she can do anything with. And to top all of that off, she can't even come and worship God. She can't even, because they didn't get to enjoy the same type of worship that you and I do. And so her worship would have been in the temple. She couldn't even offer for her own sins. Oh, I mean, this woman was in bad shape. The Bible says that neither could be healed of any. She went to all these doctors, spent everything she had, and she could not be healed of any. Look at verse number 44. The Bible tells this. She came behind him, the same woman, and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood staunched. In other words, it quit. Is everybody all right? As soon as she touched him, it quit. Now, this is pretty cool because the best I can understand, when the border of his garment right here was a tassel that was attached to his clothing, and basically, from what I've read, some of the study I've done, it would have been at below his knee, possibly closer to his feet. So for this woman to touch him, she had to get down. Is everybody all right? Now, I, and, and this makes sense, because had she been in the crowd, somebody would have identified her, somebody would have started hollering out unclean, and she would have been in a lot of trouble for what she was doing. I'm going to get to all that. I'm probably preaching too much right now, just talking about it. But anyhow, this is where she was. Immediately, as soon as she touched the, the border of his garment, she was healed. The Bible says in verse number 45, and Jesus said, who touched me? And when all denied Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee. In other words, we're being suffocated. We're being pressed in. And you're going to ask us, who touched you? <laughs> Simon Peter had a way with words. Can I get a witness right here? This is what Simon Peter said. Everybody touching you, man. What are you talking about? Everybody touching me. If I'd have been in the crowd, I'd be like, I need some space. <laughs> right? Simon Peter didn't hold back. He was the one that stuck, he, he stuck his foot in his mouth in a heartbeat, right? He just turned to Jesus and said, are you serious right now? Yeah. Right, this is, this is Lake Parkian language. Are you serious? <laughs> With the facial expressions and all, that's how he looked at Jesus. Are you serious right now? <laughs> Verse number 46, the Bible says, and Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. All right, now that doesn't mean that he lost all virtue. All right, this word virtue right here means power. All right, and so when Jesus is walking through, he is touched and immediately she's healed, but he knows that somebody stole a blessing. Everybody all right? Somebody stole a blessing. All right, now we, we'll get back to this. Go to the next verse, Miss Michelle. And when the woman saw that she was not hid... She came trembling. So nobody, nobody was going to admit to it. And I bet, I better not bet in church from the pulpit. But anyhow, it's not a real bet, so it's okay. Is everybody all right? But I imagine, how about that word? I imagine that she got what she needed and was headed out. And she just assumed nobody seen her. Nobody know 
that she was even there, she'd celebrate at the house. So the Bible says when Jesus stopped the whole crowd and, and did this, it wasn't for, listen, Jesus could have went on. Amen. Having healed her and nobody would have been the wiser to it. He could have went on knowing what had happened, her knowing what had happened, and they could have went on nobody the wiser to it. But Jesus stopped. He said, who touched me? Because there was something, mm, there was something he's teaching us here. So the Bible says she came trembling and falling down before him. That's the second person that's come and fell down at his feet. And she declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him. Does everybody get that? This is a woman that was hiding what was going on. This is a woman that was coming just to touch the border of his garment. This is a woman that wouldn't want anybody to know what had gone on. But now all of a sudden, Jesus puts her on the spot. He says, what have you done? You touched me. She comes trembling, falls down on her feet, and from, or falls down on her knees. And from her knees, she tells the whole world that she had an issue of blood for 12 years, had exhausted all of her living on the doctors, and she touched the border of his garment, and she was healed. That's what the Bible says. She said it, she declared unto him, are you getting me? Before all the people, what had gone on. Can you imagine? We sit there and we, we, we read right through this very quickly, but could you imagine what it did for all the people that were around Jesus? Can you imagine what it did for Jairus who had Jesus and was taking him to his house because his little girl was about to die and now Jairus, whatever you want to call him, now he's sitting there and he knows that all, all that he knows that the power of God is not limited to anything. She touched the hem of his garment. The Bible says, and how she was healed immediately. Verse number 48. And he said unto her, daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. I'm preaching way too much right here, but this is the only person in Scripture that Jesus calls daughter. Only one in Scripture that Jesus calls daughter. This is a endearing term it is a a, a, a a term of endearment and so when he makes this statement uh, uh, man it is a very comforting thing for the master the rabbi to say this to her and so he says daughter be of good comfort thy faith hath made thee whole go in peace and I did this for two reasons one she needed to know that this thing was over with wasn't coming back it wasn't temporary. You've been made whole. In other words, I ain't never gonna, you ain't going to have this issue anymore. All right? Number two, everybody else needed to know it. Because as far as they was concerned, she was unclean. Is everybody getting me? And she would not be clean, deemed clean, until she went through the purification process, went to the high priest, did all of that. But now Jesus is also, he's declaring that she is clean. He's also declaring, if you got any sense to you, that he was the high priest. <laughs> all right. Now, verse number 49. All right, here we go. While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, thy daughter is dead. Boy, ain't people got away with words. Thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master. The Bible tells us verse number 50. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him saying, fear not. This is what he told Jairus. Fear not. Believe only. And she shall be made whole. Oh, I need somebody to help me. Somebody runs up to you and tells you your daughter's dead. I need somebody to help me right here. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of, uh, uh, of suffering that would take place in a moment. And Jesus turns to him immediately and he says, hey, fear not. Believe only. All right. Now, this don't mean a whole lot to us, but maybe it will here in a few moments. But Jesus had just told this woman that her faith made her whole. Not her action. Is everybody with me? It wasn't her action that made her whole. It was her faith that made her whole. 
So now Jesus is telling him fear and faith can't be together. Somebody help me. Fear and faith can't exist together, all right? And so now he's telling him, don't fear. Believe only. In other words, have faith. You've already already seen what faith can do. I need somebody to help me. Now say, why in the world this woman interrupted Jesus on his way to go heal this girl? He would have got there in time. Really? This is what I believe. I believe that little girl was going to die before Jesus ever got there. And this whole incident with this woman was for Jairus' benefit. Jesus wasn't going to get to the house before this little girl died. And if he didn't get to the house before, this is what Jairus asked of him, come to my house. In other words, Jairus put him in a box and said, you can heal my daughter. And I know you can heal my daughter, but you got to come to the house to do it. But Jesus couldn't get to the house. And Jesus showed him, well, Jesus could have got to the house, but in the time frame, Jesus wouldn't have got to the house. And now this woman being healed of her issue of blood, by her faith, Jesus uses as a teaching point to Jairus, hey, don't worry about what you hear. Fear not. Believe only. In other words, the same faith that this daughter had you need to have for your daughter. Everybody with me? Verse number 51, I'll read to the end of the chapter, and it pretty much explained itself. And when he came into the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden. And all wept and bewailed her. But he said, weep not, she is not dead, but sleepeth. All right? And so I, I, I will say this, they hired professional mourners to come in and weep. For the dead. And so uh, this is what was going on in this house. And this is why we have the next verse when he told them that she's not dead. She's just sleeping. All right. Uh, he was fixing to perform a miracle and he didn't want the word to get out. We'll see that in a few moments. He wasn't lying because he, it, she was sleeping as far as we know. Uh, how many of you remember Wednesday night service? The word sleep in the Bible means dead in many instances, all right? And so he says, the Bible says, and they laughed him to scorn knowing that she was dead. Now look at the next verse. And he put them all out. Mm-hmm. Everybody all right? He, the, I love, I, mm. I love the nurturing and loving Jesus. But every now and then, Jesus lets me know that it's all right to say, get out. <laughs> hey, every now and then he lets me know that I can just say get out or I can get a whip That's right. flip a table I need somebody to help me call him a viper and then beat him out the door alright anyhow that, that's Jesus so I can't do that alright but now he put them all out and took her by the hand and called saying made arise and the Bible says and her spirit came again and she arose straightway and he commanded to give her meat and her parents were astonished but look here but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done he didn't want anybody to know that he had performed this particular miracle as we look at this passage of scripture I, I, I wrote down and I, I've preached and, and used some of this before as far as what I'm fixing to say. But I, I titled this, It Takes More Than Casual Contact. Amen. It takes more than casual contact. I've used that in a sermon before, but I, I, I wanted to revisit it. Because the truth is, is that many people throng to the church. Many people come to the church. But people, just because we're at the church, don't mean that we get what we need from Jesus. Is everybody with me? There was a lot of people in that crowd. The Bible says they were many, Brother Johnny. And the Bible says they thronged about him. In other words, they were, as I've already said, suffocating him. They were pressing in on him. And they were touching him. They were coming into contact with him. But yet, they weren't having their needs met. Right? In other words, they didn't have a life-changing experience. 
Now you say, preacher, it just wasn't recorded what their life-changing experience is. But the truth is, let's just be honest, there were many people that came in contact with Jesus throughout the Scriptures that left Jesus, all right, without being affected. I think of the rich young ruler who left out being sad. Jesus didn't go after him. I think of John chapter number 6 when all the disciples left him at the words of Jesus, this hard saying. So there are people that have come in contact with him and yet not get what they need. Is everybody with me? You may be sitting in here this morning and man, the singing got good and man, you were looking there and may, I don't know, maybe you just sat there and said, I, I ain't feeling nothing. Why is everybody standing up? Or why are people standing up? Why is this one down here on the altar praying? Why is this one up here with their hands raised? What is going on? Amen. There's a lot of folks that come in contact, but casual contact, it takes more than casual contact for us to have our needs met. I need somebody to help me. I want you to look at a couple of things from this story. I'm going to try to be very quickly and brief since I took so long on the introduction. But I like explaining scripture. It ain't no good if we don't read our Bibles and understand what the Bible tells us, all right? So get over it and let's, uh, we, we want to understand the Bible more than we want to understand my little outline. Is everybody all right? And so as we look at this this morning, I want you to notice four things that I've noticed in this passage of Scripture. A lot of these things may sound familiar to you as we go over them because I've given them to you during the introduction. But listen carefully, all right? I want you to notice, first off, their desperation, all right, on both parties. You have a man whose daughter is about to die. You have a woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 years. When we look at this, we see, for one, death was imminent. And she had all resources available to her. Is everybody with me? The Bible tells us this was a ruler of the synagogue. In other words, in the hierarchy, all right, he would have been the upper class of this area. This was not just some guy that went to church. This was the guy that overseen the finances here at the synagogue. He overseen the order of the synagogue. This was the ruler of the synagogue. And by being such, he was more than likely wealthy, well off. In other words, he had many resources that he could have used to help his daughter. Then we see for her, her death was imminent, but for the other, uh, the, her disease was incurable. Her disease was incurable. And with this one, we see that she was broke. She'd exhausted all of her living. She had taken and spent every dime that she had. For one, death was imminent and they had all the resources in the world but couldn't fix it. For the other one, they, her, her disease was incurable and she had nothing and couldn't fix it. Is everybody seeing? There's a contrast here that's missed in Scripture. This is one guy who has it all. This is one woman that has absolutely nothing. But both of them have something in common. Both of them have doctors who are incapable. Doctors who were incapable. They could not fix them. They could not fix the little girl from her death, from her imminent death, and they could not fix the woman from her incurable disease. Both of them had an issue. Both of them needed something higher than the physician that was on call down at the clinic. They needed something more than just somebody that could tell them, take these two pills and call me in the morning. They needed somebody that could do the impossible in their life. And and for that, it made them very desperate. Many people come in contact with Jesus, but they're not desperate to get a hold of Him. I need somebody to hear me. There's many people that'll show up on a Sunday morning. There's many folks that'll go to churches all around our community, and they will attend a church, and they may, by chance, come in contact with Him, but they're not desperate enough. I need somebody to help me. And say, preacher, I ain't got no incurable disease. Preacher, I ain't got no death that's imminent. Preacher, I, 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 I don't need God at this time. Better be careful. Better be careful with that kind of mentality. Because the truth is, is that all of us need God. The truth is, and no matter how good your life is, it can change in a moment. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be the one that challenged God with the I don't need you statement. 
I'm just going to throw that out there. I wouldn't be that one. Matter of fact, I would work on getting my heart to a place where I had to have God every time I come to church. Because if we could ever get into that spot where we had to have God when we come to church, our church worship would change. They were desperate. They were desperate. Let me ask you this. Are you desperate? You've been telling everybody to pray for this and pray for that and pray for this. But when was the last time that you crawled through the crowd? When was the last time that you just tried to get to his feet just to touch the hem of his... Oh, preacher, that's above me now, preacher. I ain't doing all of that. Well, you ain't desperate enough. It might take you on a deathbed before you decide you want to come to Jesus. It might take you in a bad situation before you decide, I can't go anymore without him. They were desperate. And this woman, I need you to hear me, this woman crawled through a crowd. I mean, she risked death just to touch his garment. Just to touch his garment. She didn't need him to proclaim anything over her. She didn't need him to wave her hands over him like old, uh, remember Naaman needed, he wanted, he wanted uh, Elisha to come out and, and wave his hands over the man. He didn't need all that. She didn't need all that. All she needed was a faith to believe that if she contacted him, if she got a hold of him, he could heal her. So we see the desperation, but I notice the disparity, and I've already gone over some of this, but for one, they were upper class. For the other, she was unclean. She was unclean. For the one, upper class, many had all the resources. For the other one, being unclean, it means that she was unable to worship. She was unable to walk freely. In other words, God doesn't care what your social status is. If you're in this building and you got plenty of money, you still need Jesus. Are y'all getting the contrast that Jesus is giving us right here? We'll miss it if we just read the story as it is and just not even dive into it. But if we dive into it, then you realize that Jesus is showing us it doesn't matter how rich you are. I'm going to go over to this side because y'all ain't wanting it yet. I'll be back, all right? It doesn't matter how rich you are and it doesn't matter how poor you are. All right, now I got to go back over there just to make sure they got it, all right? In the middle, y'all need to get something. I don't know what it is, but anyhow, it doesn't matter how rich you are or how poor you are. You understand? Jesus is teaching us something here. There's a disparity that's going on here that many people miss. There's a difference that's going on here that many people miss. In other words, what God is saying, it does not matter what your social status is. If you come to God in faith, God will do a work in your life. I need somebody to help me. For somebody that ain't got money to give. For somebody that just can't write a check or do whatever they want. That's an encouraging thing to know that the same God that saves the rich man can save the poor man. Yeah, the disparity. But I want you to notice number three. I'm moving along quickly. I see their desperation. I see their disparity, but I see their dereliction. Oh, this is good. Don't miss this. Because as him being the ruler of the synagogue, he was risking a lot coming to Jesus. Y'all ain't getting it. Y'all ain't getting it. He was risking a lot to come to Jesus. This wasn't just some guy that was at the bars the night before. This wasn't just some guy that hang out and he was uh, had a rough life and man, you could tell he really needed Jesus. Amen. This was a religious leader Amen. who is now putting his faith in Christ. This is a man that stood up to the congregation and said, what does the law say? We must follow the law. I need somebody to help me. What does the law say? We must follow the law. We must follow the law. We must must work for our salvation. We must work to obtain eternal life. But yet when he was in desperation, he left everything he knew, everything he was teaching, and he said, hey man, I've seen or I've heard what he can do. And he's better. Oh, I need somebody to help me. He's better than what I'm teaching the crowd. See, we miss that. 
we miss that. This was a ruler of the synagogue. This wasn't an attendee of the synagogue. This wasn't a congregation member. This wasn't somebody that just showed up a weekly so they could hear the reading. This was a religious leader that is now turning his faith from everything he's been taught his entire life, everything that he knows. And listen to me, he knew the word of God better than most of the disciples that were walking with Jesus. And so when he sat there, when he turns his faith to Christ, it is a dereliction and abandonment from everything that he knew. Mm-hmm. And for her, come on, y'all. And for her, she was unclean. Ceremonially unclean. She could not come into contact with anybody. Almost as if she was a leper. She was unclean. Anybody she touched, anything she touched. That means if she's in the market, she touches something, you come behind her, you pick it up, you're unclean. Does everybody understand that? Amen. This ain't one of them things. You don't get a freebie. It, it, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, she touched it. it, it, it three second. It's three second rule. Three second rule. Five second rule. No, no, no. Once she touched it, it was defiled. According to the scripture, according to Leviticus, according to the law, that Jairus knew. The law that Jairus knew, when she touched it, it was unclean. Everything in the temple was unclean. Y'all don't miss this. Y'all don't miss this. Because this is what happened with this woman. I want you to notice their delivery or their deliverer, all right? We notice this person, it was Jesus. I'm going to move on from that real quickly, but I'm going to tell you, there ain't but one person that you're going to find help in. There isn't but one person that can do what you need him to do. There ain't but one. That is Jaira. I need somebody to help me. That is Jaira. You need to understand this. I, man, I ain't got time to preach it. I wish I did. But in Genesis chapter number 22, when he was on that mountaintop and Jesus came to him, that was Jesus. That was the Lord speaking to him out of heaven. That Jehovah Jireh was now on earth walking on earth Jireh was with them he was enough he had we see his person we see his power he had power to heal he he healed the woman right he had power to resurrect she was dead and now she had life. I don't know if somebody getting any help right now. But this is helping me, all right? Because there was a time where I had a disease that was incurable. The Bible says for all of sin to come short of the glory of God. The Bible says wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. The Bible tells us there is none righteous. No, not one. That means there is nobody that is right with God. That's right. Come on. A disease. It was incurable. Is everybody with me? It was incurable. I couldn't work my way. The law would not allow it. The law would not allow me to work my way into heaven. Amen. Everybody good? Yes. This is the power. I need a resurrection. Amen. Oh, I need somebody to help me. Oh, I, I wasn't dead physically, but I was spiritually. Is everybody all right? <laughs> ah, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul said it like this. Ye who were dead in your sins and in your trespasses, hath he quickened. That means made alive. There's already a resurrection that's taking place. All right? Spiritually, there's a resurrection that's taking place if you're saved in here. So we see his power to heal, his power to resurrect, but his power to transform. Man, I just thought this was good. I'm going to share it with you. The Bible says in Leviticus that if she goes into the temple, she defiles the entire temple. That's right. <laughs> when she touches somebody, she defiles them. The Bible tells us that this temple, a matter of fact, in Leviticus, when it talks about this temple, it calls it the place where God dwells. Jesus was in this temple. I need somebody to help me. I ain't talking about my temple. I'm talking about his bodily temple. Matter of fact, you'll remember he told him, he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll build it again. And they were like, you crazy, man. 
It took 40 years to build that temple because they thought he was talking about Solomon's temple. He was talking about his temple. And three days later, I need somebody to help me. He stepped out of the grave. He built it again. And it was a better temple than the first one. Because the Bible says that it could walk through walls. It just appear. I need somebody to help me. The Bible says that it still had all the holes in it. And he said, handle me and see. A glorified body, a glorified temple. Is everybody all right? For this Bible, for this woman in the Old Testament, for her to go into the temple, for her to come in contact with the temple, for her to come in contact with anybody else, they were made unclean. But Jesus shows us his power. Because when she touched his temple, he didn't become defiled. She became clean. I need somebody to help me. Woo! When I got a hold of him, he didn't become sin. I just became clean. I need somebody to help me. This is the kind of power that we're talking about. She had the faith to touch him, but it didn't change who he was. It changed who she was. Oh. And his purpose. His deliverer's purpose is to do the same for you. His purpose is to do the same for you. Hey, somebody in here, you've been praying about something for a year, two years, three years, four years. Do I need to go on? Amen. You get the point. You've asked everybody else to pray about it. But every Sunday, I don't care what you think. Everybody ready? I'm finna say something. I don't care what you think about it. Every Sunday, Jaira, Jesus, shows up right here. That's right. Come on. Yeah. Some point during the service, he slips in the back door and he starts walking. Oh, I need somebody to help me. He starts walking. You felt it. I need somebody to help me. You might even, mm, if it wasn't so loud in here, you probably hear his, his sandals when they come. He just comes by. Oh, I need somebody to help me. He just comes by in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your anxiety and your fears. He just comes by just slowly, taps you on the shoulder, puts his arm around you, lets you know it's going to be all right. God is moving. But the problem is that so many of us are content to just stay in our seat. Is everybody with me? If we really wanted God, come on, y'all, help me. If we really wanted God, I wonder. If we wouldn't, he's here. I wonder if we wouldn't. Oh, that woman, she had to get to him. He was the only one. He was the only one that could fix her. He was all, everything had been exhausted. There wasn't anybody else she could turn to. She had to get to him. And we're suffering and going through life wondering, why ain't God doing anything for me? But yet when God comes moving through our services, we, we just sit there and Watch. Sit there and are entertained by how everybody else is acting. Jarius said, I don't care who sees me. Jesus, I need you to come to my house. I need somebody to help me. We need a Jarius in this building. I say, God, I don't care who sees me. I don't care if they want to make fun of me or not, but Jesus, you got to come to the house with me. We need somebody like that woman that says, I can't get to you. I know there's a lot of other needs in the building and I know there's a lot of other things that you could do, but God, I need you today. Knowing this, God has the power. Say, preacher, I've come to him before. Preacher, I've come to him before. I've come to him over and over again. He didn't do anything for me. 
be careful. I'd be careful saying God ain't done anything for you. God heals differently. God works differently. For one, he says, open your eyes and you can see. For one, he says, speak. For one, he, he tells them to go. He, he spits in the clay and rubs it in their eyes and says, go wash in the pool. <laughs> Amen. Seems kind of odd, a blind man trying to get to the water. Can I get a witness? <laughs> when Jesus had already said to one, you can see. Sometimes it stages. Remember the man comes back and he says, Jesus said, tell me, can you see? And he says, I see all men as trees. <laughs> Jesus touched him again. I need somebody to help me. Maybe what you need this morning is him to touch you again. Maybe you've gotten back to depending on yourself. Maybe God didn't do it on your timeline and under your expectations, so now you think he's he ain't got the power to do it. walking in here this morning he wants to do something in your life heads bowed with me what you're looking for you ain't gonna find in casual contact with him There'll be many that'll bump into him this morning. That'll leave out of here the same way they walked in. Not understanding they missed an opportunity. Not understanding that he was close. He was near. Nobody looking around this morning, I want to ask you a question. If you were to die right this moment, do you know where you'd spend eternity? If you'd be honest with this preacher, be honest with the Lord this morning. God already knows it. Remember, He knew she touched Him before she told anybody. He already knows. You're not surprising Him. But I wonder if you'd be honest with this preacher this morning. Say, preacher, if I died at this moment, I do not know that I'd go to heaven. Did you hear me? I said no. I do not know that I'd go to heaven. If that's you in this building this morning, I want you to lift your hand up just high enough for me to see it. I won't embarrass you. But I want to know how to end the service. Does anybody raise a hand and say, preacher, I don't know. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Does anybody else? Preacher, I don't know. Nobody's looking around. Please, please help me with this. If you raise your hand, I'm going to do something different. I don't mean to embarrass you. And so I'm doing this with nobody looking around. But I want you to know this. The day that I got saved, September 28, 1997, preacher asked the same question and I I had to lose my identity I had to lose my faith in myself and I had to turn my faith to him this is what I'm asking you to do this morning if you raise your hand and say preacher I don't know that I'm saved. I don't know that I'd go to heaven if I died at this moment. I want you to get up out of your seat and come right down to the front. Nobody's looking around. I'm standing right down here on the floor. Hallelujah. else maybe you didn't raise your hand it's time to it's time to get this thing settled 
act as though we can wait until next week or next month. We act as if God's on our timetable. But the truth is, life could end for any of us today. I was down in Florida early this morning. I was coming back on the interstate. Lights everywhere. Looked over and there's this little old tiny car run all the way up in the woods, hit all kind of trees going up on. I don't know, I, I don't see how anybody could have survived it. Sunday morning. I guarantee you they didn't wake up this morning thinking this was my last day. Roads were wet. Interstate and the high speeds unforgiven and wet conditions. Life changed. Your life can change in this building this morning. For the better. Won't you come? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I I thank you. It's been a tremendous morning. Lord, I felt your presence when I walked into the building this morning. God, you were working already before the service ever started. While we sang, God, just liberty as a choir sang, God, you could tell, Lord, that intimacy, Lord, you moving and speaking. Lord, as we preached, Lord, through revelation, Lord, uh, our, our minds being illuminated to the Scripture, God, we've seen, Lord, how powerful you are. That you're not a respecter of persons, Lord. You love the, the poor as much as the rich. Lord, you care for those with all the resources as much as those without any. No respect or a person. That you're passionate about your purpose. In healing everyone that comes in contact. Lord, help us to purpose in our lives, Lord, no more casual contact. May we on purpose seek you out. On purpose get a hold of you. Knowing, Lord, that when two or three are gathered together, Lord, you, you meet with us. You're passing by. Lord, we love you this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for the ones that were saved this morning. Thank you for the work that's done in hearts that, Lord, nobody will know about this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.